Howdy, folks. Welcome back to the podcast. Katie and I, I think, are, are I know I'm excited. I'm assuming Katie's excited to be talking about the topic that we're going to be talking about today. I'm excited for a couple of reasons. I'm excited for the topic itself, but I'm also excited to hear Katie's thoughts on it because, once again, I actually don't really know what Katie has to say about the issues we're going to be talking about. So I'm waiting in great anticipation with great eagerness to hear what she thinks about today's subject, which is, Katie, what's today's subject? Uh, essentially telling our kids about hell and God's judgment without making them afraid in an unhealthy way. Hmm. Okay. That's the subject. Folks, thank you all so much for listening to the podcast. If you enjoy it, it helps us so much. It encourages us also. Encourages us also. If you're able to leave a rating or a review on iTunes, many of you have most recently. I need. You know what we need to do? We need to start reading some of these, Katie Bay, because people take time. It mm-hmm. really blesses mm-hmm. me. They like go out of their way to write very thoughtful ratings and reviews. I'm not going to pull it up now because it's probably going to take too long. But in one of these episodes, we need to read some of these most recent reviews because they're a huge blessing. So thank you for doing that. And then anybody that watches us, watches us on YouTube. Uh, If you're able to subscribe, that would be a blessing or like or leave any comments. We always love that. And so with that said, those are all the things. We'll get today's episode rolling. The Now That We're a Family Podcast. So I don't know how many times we've told you guys, you know, we're going to do a complete podcast on that and then never really gotten around to it. Hmm. I feel like we've done it a couple times, right? at least I have, but we are doing a continuation of what we told you we were going to do a continuation of. Yes. So should I read that uh, question? Sure, read the question. Actually, okay, hold on. Before we jump into it, because I know I jumped into it really, really all of a sudden, I need to tell them what we did two nights ago as okay. a family. Let's hear it. So we're sitting at the dinner table and Elisha leans over and asks me if I have any plans for the night. And it's, we're closing out our Sabbath. So it's Saturday night. And I was like, no. And so then he tells the kids, okay, you guys, we are going to clean up dinner. We're going to go jump in the river and then we're going to get ice cream and everybody cheers. And one of our kids was kind of grumpy. And I was like, oh, daddy's just teasing about the river part. And Elisha's like, no, I'm dead serious. So... We got all in our swimsuits and it's dark and cold because it's in October. And we loaded up in the car and sweated our car out. So we turned it up really, really hot. We didn't put any clothes on Lionel so he'd stay cool. And then got ourselves all psyched up, did a cheer in the car and then ran out. And well, I, were you going to, I was going to let you tell some of the story if you wanted. Uh, You're doing a really great job. (laughs) Okay. Okay. And then we ran out and jumped in the river and you had to go head under. And so Leon was the first one in, of course, he goes head under easy. Lucy and I went, did it together because it was freezing. And then Lewis did it and he's four. And uh, Lawrence went out there, dunked his ankles in and got like the tip of his forehead. (laughs) And then was looking at us like, you guys are nuts. Yeah, he had this ticked off look on his face. (laughs) Like, what? What? Why are we doing this? It's so funny. He has such an expressive face. And he's just looking at us like totally concerned. Anyways, and so then we got back in the toasty car, went and got ice cream. It was a blast. Yeah. Anyways, it was really, really fun. It reminds me of stuff that we used to do when, as like teenagers when I was growing up. I guess I had younger siblings doing it at the time too. But it was just so fun. I didn't think we'd be able to start stuff like this with our kids so early. 
but they're just really gung-ho. They are. I feel like this is the time to start stuff like that because they, they just follow us so fearlessly into these things and yeah. and they, they it becomes a normal part of our family culture that that was one of those things that i loved when i started pursuing you and dating you is that your whole family had that culture of doing polar dips polar plunges mm-hmm. um and so i really i really fell in love with that yeah elisha does it all the time to this day and i kind of you know let him let him do it. Well, you're getting inspired to do it again. Like that got you. Yeah, fired it up, is. Didn't it you? is hardcore. It always feels awesome when you get out of freezing cold water. You just have so much adrenaline, in like a healthy way. I feel oh, like. Oh yeah, no doubt. Yeah, and I mean we have all these boys, so Lucy and I have to hang. So yeah, I think we're gonna have some. Uh, what do you call it when you're like I don't know? I guess bonding moments together, yeah. trying to keep up with all these guys. Oh, whatever. Like you guys are having an issue with that. When we started dating, I feel like you were more hardcore than me. And so I felt Well, I did a lot more of that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And you've kind of gotten gotten a little soft. I've gotten soft in my old age. You know, I have nothing to prove anymore. (laughs) I've Uh, got five children. It's like, just look at my children. Okay. You don't need to watch me jump off a bridge or something into water. (laughs) No, but it's really fun. It it was really bonding for our family. Anyways. Okay. Okay. I'm going to read the comment that the question that we got asked that we didn't answer in our last Q and A. And that was how to introduce your kids. How do you introduce your kids to hell and to the fear and wrath of God without scaring them, especially children who might just then start to act in fear instead of acting in the love of God. Hmm. Yeah. It's funny because this was towards the end of our last Q and A episode that we did a couple weeks back. And when you at, when you read that question, I think I was the one that said like, well, like that's, that's a big topic. Let's save that f- for a later day. And I regretted that almost immediately after I regretted saying that almost immediately after we stopped recording. Cause I think that that mindset actually is, is a little bit wrong as a Christian parent. I think it's really easy to be intimidated and then as a result, be paralyzed and not take action on some of these topics that Maybe on the surface, like you're like, whoa, that's big. You're right. Wrath, hell, fear versus the love of God. That's a that's a really big deal. I need to, and you're like, what? You need to go back to seminary or you need to go to seminary and study it. You need to, you know, reference the experts on it. And those are great things. But then literally like two or three minutes after we recorded, I was like, you know, we should have just talked about it because I think one of the, a, a danger when you are a parent, when the big subjects come up with your children is panicking and saying, I don't have all the right answers because mm-hmm. clearly we're not going to have all the answers. You want to have as many right answers as, as you can. But I think if you can take these concepts and these topics in stride with your children while they are young, it is actually the healthiest way to introduce them to anybody. And and while your kids are young, there's actually that's the healthiest time to introduce them to these concepts because I started thinking immediately to the Bible times we have with our kiddos. And obviously we do our family Bible times in the evenings and those are usually more like Proverbs, Psalms, and it's like time of family worship. But then on Sunday morning, you know, when I'm with the kids, Sunday mornings, Katie's morning to sleep in. Yeah. Elisha gets up with the kids. They have cold cereal and I don't know. Yeah, what? Tell me what okay, happens no, up nothing, there. You don't. You don't need to know anything else. That's all you need to know. <laughs> uh, but then, we we the kids love reading from the Old Testament, and it's so funny because after considering this question, I I was curious. I was like, I want to go back and just kind of look at some of these 
you know, most common books of the Bible that we'll probably go to with our children, Genesis, Exodus, Proverbs, the Gospel of John, you know, Romans, those are just popular books in general for a good reason, right? The Gospel of John is considered whatever the Gospel of love, you know, it's like everybody, many people recommend people to start with the Gospel of John, right? Or obviously Romans, it's so rich in Christian doctrine, and then obviously Genesis, the book of beginnings, and then Proverbs, just like practical everyday wisdom, and Psalms, this praise and this worship. And so those are books that we end up in a lot as a family, and I think many Christians do. And I went through all of those, and within the first chapter of each one of those books, either the wrath of God, hell, God's anger, God's um, judgment is brought up in the first chapter of all those books. And I say that to say, when you just read the Bible to your kids, these subjects come up in their proper place and in their proper context. Like if you want to bring it up in the proper ratio, then bring it up in the ratio that the Bible brings it up in. And the way that you can do that is by, is by reading through the Bible. That is so good, Elisha. Well, you thought you liked that? That was just my I opening liked statement. That wow! <laughs> I, seriously, I really do. Because, like you said, we can really seize up when we come to these big things. Like, I don't want to mess this up with yes. my kids. And then you're going to see what psychologists say about you know fear and yes. hell and you know people burning and all this stuff. You know, it, it sounds very traumatic, and I mean it is traumatic on on one level. But then it's just like okay, again, God's word is all the answers. We don't have to recreate the wheel, just read God's word. Mm. And then how he wanted to talk about hell and judgment and wrath will come across just Mm. naturally. We don't have to come up with our own little perfectly packaged sit down conversation with our child. Yeah, it's like, okay, it's time for the hell talk. Okay, it's time for the judgment talk or it's time for the wrath talk. Clearly, there are going to be times in our life or in our children's life where they ask pointed questions about various topics, and then you can you can go to the Bible and you can reference you can use it more as a reference in those in those areas rather than reading it through and following the narrative. And and I think Katie, you uh, you probably wrote this down because you use some resources. I don't know if you're going to talk about the Abeka story story books with. Oh the, yeah, with you these. guys know I like this. Yeah, but I think that that introduces it in a in a very healthy reasonable way as well and i think something that does happen too when we are parents i know this happens for me is you impose all of your doubts and your fears and insecurities on onto your children mm-hmm. and so i'll think i'll have questions you know it's well you, I, I don't know what a common question about god's justice would be or his you know is saying well what about what about the what about the children in a in a country where they've never heard the gospel or they don't have the Bible, where do they go? And you start questioning God's goodness in regards to the questions like that. And then you think, well, boy, if I can't explain it to myself, my kids are going to be wondering this. I got to be able to explain it to my kids, or maybe you can't reconcile God's love and his judgment and his wrath. And so you assume your kids can't. And sometimes I think it's almost the opposite. Like Mm -hmm. our kids have such a clear black and white understanding of justice of good and evil. And so when you read the narrative of, and you hear, they hear about sin entering into the world, they then are able to be like, that makes sense. They sinned against God. Like, like they yeah. disobeyed the one true God. And there was a penalty for that death, corruption, destruction, sickness, all those things came from sin. And I think that that adds up in a child's head immediately mm-hmm. when, when they hear that and, and they, and they get that from an early age. And then obviously later on, 
as our brain develops, yes, it's cool that the Bible has answers to maybe the more nuanced questions and some of those things that we, some of those maybe things that we might think are inconsistencies in the Bible that we start questioning as we get older. Our kids don't have that early on. It's all, it's all very consistent and, and you can just read it through. And, and this is another thing too. I know I'm talking a lot and, and you've got I a I love everything you're saying. No, no, keep going. But this is actually something that I want to point out that you gave me this tip because I think you, you read this in like a Charlotte Mason book mm-hmm. or something is you're like, don't explain things unless kids ask about it when you're reading. So like, mm-hmm. don't stop the narrative. Don't stop the storyline unless they ask a particular question. And I found that to be so helpful in reading, especially in the Old Testament, because obviously so much of the Old Testament is narrative. It's, it's, it's story. And so when I'm reading about Joseph, you know, being brought into Egypt, you know, or when I'm reading about David, you know, fleeing from Saul, I just read. And then I, I would, I used to, and you told me this is why you told me to stop doing this, because I used to stop and try to explain things that I didn't think the kids get, right? Oh, yeah. I didn't, I didn't want to just tell you to stop doing it. Oh, I think man. I like mention it as a philosophy that I was trying yes. to do. Yeah, you're right. It wasn't like a direct <laughs> pointer to yeah. me. <laughs> yes, no, you're, you're totally right. Hey, everyone. I want to take a quick moment to tell you about our online music academy called VoteBergMusicAcademy.com. Katie and I actually started this online music academy seven years ago. And over that time, we've been able to see thousands of students go through our courses and learn how to play the guitar, the mandolin, the fiddle, the piano, the ukulele, and bring music into their home. And we really curated these lessons so that you're able to learn with your child or you're able to learn by yourself and then bring music into your home and play with your kiddos. We even have it so that you can you know, subscribe to one course and have three of your kids take the same course. So it's really cost effective and you're able to go at your own pace and bring music into your home. Go to VoperMusicAcademy.com and check this out. Okay, listen up. This is where it gets really good. If you enter the coupon code YouTube at checkout, you will get 10% off each month's payment because it's a subscription. It's a reoccurring payment. So if you put that code in, then it's 10% off each month. So, I mean, that can really add up over time. So bring some music into your family's home. Go over to VoperMusicAcademy.com. I'll link it below. And you guys put in that coupon code and go learn how to play some piano, guitar, fiddle, mandolin, ukulele, your choice. <laughs> And as I've done that, like you get to hear where your kids' brains are tracking. And Mm -hmm. so I'll read through tons of verses about God's judgment, his wrath, about hell, about destruction, about damnation, read through. And if the kids don't ask about it, I'm just going to keep going. And sometimes they will. And then you just get to read it again and explain what it is. So anyways, that was something else that I felt found very helpful is just read the Bible, read through the narrative, Genesis, Exodus. Those are, those are fun stories. They, they're, they're really, they're really, I mean, there's some crazy stuff in there, obviously, but it's, it's, the kids can get into the story and they follow the story and they track the story. And then similarly, the, the gospels and all of those books introduce the wrath of God, hell, the penalty for our sin in the way that I think God intended it to be introduced. Yeah. Elisha mentioned that I like the Becca storybooks, um, essentially like the big pictures and then you read what they write. But I've even gotten away from that recently and just started reading the passage 
holding up the pictures, but reading straight from scripture while holding up the photos. And there's nothing wrong with reading their version because I think they do a great job in breaking down the stories and, um, you know, I say stories, but the history of the Bible. And what's beautiful is they do a fantastic job, Rebecca, of always pointing it back to God's wrath, his judgment, his punishment. It's always redemptive and that he took all of that upon himself. So we don't have to bear God's wrath. We don't have to bear his judgment, his eternal judgment, because he took it upon himself and all our sin upon himself and paid that ultimate price. So it all points back to him. And I think sometimes we could take all these topics and just think about ourselves within that, within that, um, I don't know, have that perspective on it. It's not like God's out to get us. He offered his son as a perfect lamb to take this from us because we have the burden of our sin. And I also, but what what I was going to say is going back to that whole scripture thing, as much as you can just read straight, unadulterated scripture to your children, that's where you know it's going to come across appropriately because God's word does not return void. He promises that in his scripture. And sometimes when you're reading a, if you're all you're reading to your kids are story Bibles or children's versions of what happened, you're relying on what that author thought was appropriate for children to read at what time. And so how they're introducing these concepts is not going to be perfectly pure as God's scripture is. Mm. And so yeah, you know, this was specifically how do you introduce your kids to these topics? Like just read straight up scripture and God will introduce it in his perfect way Mm -hmm. instead of relying on making it fun and flowery and, you know, trying to tiptoe around the bush and present it just the way that maybe someone thinks we should present it to our children. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. And and I do think that, um, there is so much freedom that comes from as a parent knowing you don't have all the answers and and leaning on the scripture, leaning heavily on it. And I, I, I've said this before, I admire my dad greatly for that because he, he didn't really start reading his Bible intentionally until he was in his thirties, mid thirties. And he, you know, he wasn't one of these guys that was highly educated. Uh, he was, you know, he was a logger, blue collar worker and yet he felt it, he felt the call to lead his family in reading the Bible. And I tell you what, the whole, you know, more is caught than taught. And, and there's so many cliches and I mean, platitudes around that concept. And yet there is a p- profundity about it, you know, because as we know, profundity oft rests on the shoulders of the obvious. And in regards to my dad doing that, what what's the doctrine I remember from those Bible times when I was five, six, seven, and eight? I don't know. Yeah, like I don't I don't fully remember at that point I remember telling lies and feeling guilty and my dad and my dad saying, "Well, Jesus Christ died for your sins, so confess your sins to him. You know, he he forgives you and you can walk free." I remember that message a lot. But I also don't remember my dad saying, so he could have said some, you know, things that were wrongful and those and harmful in those situations. He could have said, "Well, don't worry about it. Everybody lies. Like, don't beat yourself up about it. Mm-hmm. He 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 would take advantage of those opportunities to be like, yeah, that is wrong. You should feel bad. It's wrong to sin. Sin brings death. Sin. It's it's good that you feel guilt towards your sin. It's good that you feel this sense of shame. Now, don't live in it. Confess it to the Lord. Thank Him for His forgiveness and walk now freed from that 
shame, freed from the guilt because of what Christ has accomplished, not because the thing's not that big of a deal. The thing is a big deal. It put, it put Jesus Christ on the cross, and apart from repentance, it leads to hell. So it is a really big deal, but don't dwell in that. And my dad presented me in, with those concepts to me confessing to him, not in a systematic theological way, but in a matter-of-fact way. And and I just, I believed that, right? I, I believed that message and would pray and would confess those sins to the Lord. And and what I remember mostly from that time, it, it, or talks like that, but also my dad just being, matter-of-fact, opening the Bible and saying, well, we just need to read the Bible. We just need to re- read the Bible. And that's something that I think I adopted more than anything from what my dad actually taught. It was what he he did, you know, and what he uh, exemplified to us. Yeah, the Holy Spirit convicting us is a healthy thing. Yes. I think of like the nerves in our fingers, right? When we get a little burn from a fire, we might be like, oh, that's painful, but it's protecting us from a bigger pain, mm. which is just completely burning up. Mm. And I think of that with shame and guilt. So often we're quick to be like, oh no, there's there's no guilt here. There's no shame here. Where it's like, no, the Holy Spirit there's healthy guilt and shame mm. that comes that it's that signal for us to confess and repent and um, thank the Lord for what he has done on the cross. Mm-hmm. That's a healthy conviction. And um, I've talked about this before, but guilt and shame can be a blessing from God in those moments of sin and failure in our humanity. Not that we're, of course, in Romans it speaks to there's no condemnation to those in Christ Jesus. We aren't supposed to walk in that. We aren't supposed to wallow in that and poor me and wow, I'm such a bad person and all this because Christ has taken the the guilt and the shame from us, but we need to repent and confess those sins. Yes. I think too, when it comes to fear, we're so scared of fear. Where I'll put this reference down below. Maybe you know, Elisha, it's like such a popular verse, but I think we forget it. And that is the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Yeah, Proverbs. It's in Proverbs, right? I think Proverbs 10. There are so many verses to the fear of the Lord. It is healthy. It is reverence. It leads to awe. It leads to a separation between his holiness is a perfect creator God and our inability to meet his standard. And he could do whatever he wants with us at any time because he created us and he could take that life away so quickly. We're here for his plans and for his purposes. And I think that sometimes we can set our children up to have this, you know, big people, small God mindset when we don't say, no, that fear of God is this holy separation that is healthy and it's the beginning of wisdom and knowledge. Yeah. So it's Proverbs 9, 10 says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. And then Proverbs 10, 27 says the fear of the Lord prolongs days, but the years of the wicked shall be shortened. Mm-hmm. I'm with you, Katie, babe. And I know there's the passage that perfect love casts out all fear. And so I don't know what that's speaking to because it obviously says here that the fear of the Lord is a good thing. Well, you like touched on how God is love. So like, yeah, maybe that's what it is. It's like if you're if you're turning to anything apart from God and His finished work, you know, Him being, you know, in the coming of the Man Jesus Christ. If you're turning to anything but that for to try to alleviate the fear or the guilt or whatever it may be, it's going to be futile. You know, it's going to be pretty pointless and ineffective. Mm-hmm. Um, and we aren't supposed to fear anything outside of God. Because mm-hmm. with Christ, you know, we're more than conquerors. We have this, like, we are, um, we're on the winning side. 
Yes. In Christ. Yeah. Again, I, I don't know. It's just such a, well, and this is actually probably going to influence a lot of people's, how they talk to their kids about it. So Luke was just saying this actually before we recorded. It's like, maybe look, look around your culture, your look around and what's, what's more prominent? Like, is it more prominent that the, the love of God is being emphasized? You know, is that what's more prominent or is it the, the wrath of God? And, and obviously we already mentioned, ideally you're going to God's word for all those things because it's going to be talked about in the ratio he intended for it to be talked about, which I think you even looked that up, right? There's like a ratio yeah, that is in the it's Bible. It's actually kind of fascinating how indirectly or directly God's wrath and judgment is mentioned over 600 times in the Old Testament alone. It's also mentioned quite a few times in the New Testament. And then God's love and God loving us is mentioned 300 times. And so just that proportion there of, you know, we, we love to focus on the love part, but God's wrath and judgment is even more prominent in scripture yeah. in terms of how often it's mentioned. Like, do, do we just not read those passages? Or do we just ignore them and pretend like they aren't there? Yeah, I, I mean, I just instinctually here think it's got to be both. You know, it's it's got to be, I know one's going to, people are going to want to emphasize one or the other, maybe depending on the mood that you're in or the home that you're brought up in. Uh, and having a holistic, no, there, you are destined Apart from Christ, you are destined for hell and eternal judgment and for, as the penalty for as the right penalty for your sin. But the love of God actually took on that sin for you, you know, on the cross. And and you now can have total freedom from the sin itself and from the penalty of that sin in Christ in Christ Jesus and trusting in him. And you don't and you can repent from your sin, not be bound by it anymore, and you can walk with Christ. And so it's got to me, just like both, it's gotta be both, you know, because the, the love of God is so much more powerful according, like when you understand the, the fear of the Lord and, and the wrath of God mm-hmm. and, the, and the penalty for sin. Like if you don't have any inclination for what the penalty of sin is, the cross means nothing to you. You're kind of like, okay, well, he died on the cross for what? Like, because all I know is that I'm awesome. So I, he didn't need to die on the cross for me, but that's nice that he did that. If you have that mindset, you're not going to live according to what, in, a, in the context of what Christ has done for us. Well, and it was really life-changing for me to listen to the American gospel where they explained how God has so much wrath and he's so perfect, he cannot handle any bit of sin. And so he took all of our sin on himself because with the Trinity, you know, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are one. Mm-hmm. And so he wasn't just sending his son as this sacrifice. Jesus, the Son, was the human form of God. Mm-hmm. And he was that fully man, fully God being. But God didn't just say, okay, well, I I hate the sin of my people over here. I can't stand it. So I'm going to substitute someone who I love. He substituted himself mm-hmm. and took all of that sin and all of that wrath on himself. It's like this vacuum. So the wrath goes out from God, but he also takes it into himself. Yeah. And he takes the force of his wrath. And so I think if we aren't explaining to our children that wrath, then God's sacrifice doesn't mean as much. Yeah. It doesn't really mean anything. Honestly. Yeah, yeah. 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 It doesn't. Then what's the point? It's just like, well, he could have done it, he could have not. But it's like, no, he saved us from this incredible burden and, mm. and terror. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, again, it's just when people talk about 
I guess I'll, I'll I'll say this kind of I'll give some context to what I'm about to say because <laughs> some people you know how like you bump into somebody and you're like hey maybe somebody that moved to town and they're a Christian and you ask them if they found a church and they're like oh I found a great church yeah it's and they and they'll usually go on to say it's not like all these other churches right like they'll be like oh we love our church because it's not like all these other churches that and one i feel like they, they go two ways one's like it's not like all these other churches that are like hell and fear and, and god it's all and they'll be like it's great because it's like really positive and about the love of god and then somebody else can be the same in the same you know you meet we're going to somebody else and like oh we found a church it's great because it's not like all those other churches that are like ted talky and just fluffy and feel good services you know it actually talks about sin and and whatnot and I don't think that that's an exaggeration. I feel like I talk to people yeah. on both sides of that uh, of the aisle all the time. And from from my experience, I'm always surprised when the people say, "Oh, it's good. It's not like all stuffy and religious and fear of God." Uh, those are the ones that always surprise me because I'm always like, "Where where have you been going to church? Like where where did you get that concept?" Because it's, I'm I'm not claiming to have a, a you know accurate pulse on what the greater Western church emphasizes. But for my experience, I growing up and I, I do feel like I have a little bit more experience than the average person because we would travel so much and play music at a variety of churches. I don't ever remember going to a, an evangelical church that was like fear, you know, hell and brimstone and fire and like this Jonathan Edwards, you know, you know, repent ye sinners, which, you know, which is amazing. Obviously sinners in the hands of amazing God. I'm not talking about that in a as in a pejorative manner, but I feel like people would associate like Western Christianity with like, yeah, it's just hell and fire and brimstone. I'm like, I don't, I've never heard that at any churches I've visited. Like, yeah, the only uh, one that comes to mind is in Pollyanna. Yes. Maybe <laughs> that was their that? exposure. So yeah. I'm sure there's churches out there like that because that had to be taken from somewhere, right? Yeah, I guess. And, and I know, and maybe that's been a cultural thing, you know, maybe in in the South more again, we grew up in the West, but as far as like 2023, when I hear people say that I'm a little bit mind blown Mm -hmm. because I'm like, I don't know what you're listening to. Cause to me, it's like when people even just mention sin, it's like a breath of fresh air to me. Cause I never hear that. Like I don't hear it on Christian radio. I don't see it on Christianity today. I don't see it on, you know, the gospel coalition. I, I, I'm like popular outlets. I don't see people addressing these heavier issues that people would consider more negative, maybe like the negative side of the gospel. And so I, I guess I do wonder whenever people say like, well, man, you like, we want to keep it about the love. There's so much fear and, and anger out there. I do wonder where that's coming from. If that's imposed on their self, on, on themselves, you know, like if it's from their child, I don't I'm just thinking out loud here. Like, well, I don't know what you think about that. Yeah, I don't know, but I do feel like as parents like I I can speak just from my own perspective but growing up in a loving home where I had parents who loved each other they loved me I loved my parents and I also feared my parents because they disciplined me when I did the wrong thing and so if I did the wrong thing I knew I had this sick feeling in the pit of my stomach like I'm gonna get in trouble and that's fear 
that's fear of parent that's a fear of a parent which i think is a very healthy thing for a child and i compare that to us being children of god i never questioned because i was in a loving home i never questioned the love that my parents were showing me i never tr- questioned their justice or their motives for disciplining me they were disciplining me out of love and all of those things i never got confused on that and i feel that way when it comes to God, because I was never confused on that in my home, I was never mistreated or abused or all these things that can start to warp our perspectives of fear and love because humans can twist those things and contort those things. And so as children, we get confused. But I think I just had these very pure, clear, okay, love and fear are very combined and you can love someone and fear them and they can love you and also give you justice like meet out justice yeah penalties yeah yeah, like that that isn't an unloving thing to do and so i don't know i can't speak for every single child because children will have gone through different situations obviously that might make fear or these things like i didn't grow up with an unhealthy fear of anything i felt very safe and protected all the time and so when fear is mentioned in the bible or hell is mentioned in the bible i just um is very like, oh, I have a loving God. He loves me. He's going to do what's best. He took away my sin. If I, if he didn't take away my sin, then I would be in hell forever. Yeah. And but that's cha- not the case. He and he chose- chastens those who he loves. So yeah. When- and then when it comes to discipline, he chastens. Yeah. Hmm. So I don't think these things are as at odds as we view them or communicate them to be in our culture. Hmm. We're like, well, if you fear something, then you can't love them. Or if someone makes you fear them because they do mete out justice, then that's not loving. And that's Mm. just not the case. Yeah. Yeah. I think you did hit on something though, Katie, babe, because obviously we are affected heavily by our upbringing. Yeah. And if so many people look to God, the father, and they're like, that does a father does not sound good based off of their experience Experience, of a father. And, and there's a bunch of uh, lame, like, lame dads i don't know it's like that was crazy i had like all these profane words come to i was like i gotta i gotta have a better have a better vernacular so i was like i was gonna talk about lame dads and it's like none of them were appropriate for a podcast i was like running from like option one two three and four and i was like lame lame that's the one i'll go with no there's 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 a bunch of sinful men that are abusive and it is the most it is one of the most damaging if not the most damaging thing you can do as a parent is be abusive because it's distorting not only it's distorting their view of what a father is right like you are the earthly example of a father to them and you are which is when you think about it like the the highest position you could ever be put in mm-hmm. here on earth mm-hmm. is the position that God calls him. It's like the title that God gives himself, God the Father. Mm-hmm. He's like, now I'm going to give you that title to these earthly beings, you know, to to your children. And then you take that and you abuse that, you know, in a, in a domineering way and you hurt people or you manipulate people. Mm-hmm. But that's pretty, that's messed up. Like mm-hmm. that's big time messed up. And it's a, it's a big time, uh, I guess it's sin obviously. And, and, there needs to be repentance from it and and for those people like because like you said i relate far more with you where i never i never once questioned my my father's intentions mm-hmm. in his yeah. disciplining me 
in his and and him you know uh, have there being penalties to things with with him with there being justice and judgment it's like well i know he has my best interest in mind i know he loves me and this is coming from that place and so you said like you said the bible speaks to it this way god is this way like love and and you know love and and like judgment love and wrath love and fear it's not like they're at odds with one another when it's coming from god the father it's like he acts perfectly within all those things um so yeah yeah and so for those of our listeners i know we have a lot of first generational christians um, that listen to this podcast which is just incredible like the lord is starting a new legacy and a new line through you and it's just an incredible opportunity that you have even though you're starting from a place of difficulty and that just really blesses us to hear from you guys but then like depending on where you're coming from and what your background is and what your view of God has been and how, you know, Elisha touched on earlier on this podcast, it might be hard for you to reconcile some of these things because of how you were grown up. But when it comes grown up, when you <laughs> how you were raised in your home, but have the freedom, I guess, and the confidence to know that your children are not being raised in that environment because you are a loving parent and you are um, being intentional and you're showing them, you are mirroring mirror imaging God in a healthy way to them imperfectly, obviously, as, as we all do. And we have to ask forgiveness from our children for the things we do wrong. But just trust that you can give these topics to your children and they are going to just understand them yeah. and and not have to struggle with maybe some of the things that you've struggled with um, if they're coming from that environment of a loving, caring home that yeah. is that is Christ-centered. Yeah, it's pretty cool that we have that position. And and as you stated too, when we, when we fall short, because we will, uh, it's just an opportunity to point to the one perfect God, the father, you know, to, to point to his perfect son, to point to the one that is the propitiation for both of, for me, when I lose, when I lose my temper, when I'm short with my kids, mm-hmm. be like, man, God, the father's, he is long suffering. He is patient. He is kind. I am called to be that way as a father. I failed. He is perfect in that way though. Our God is, is perfect in that way. He, he's got righteous anger, but it's, it's not this bombastic, it's like, not like our anger. Yeah, it's not like, yeah, I, I have a headache and I'm kind of, I need more food. And then the, you know, the kids are a little loud and I, and I get upset. Like that's, God's not that way, right? That's not where his anger comes from. He's, he's perfect in all of his attributes. And, and we can point to him every time we fall short in those ways and, and point to the perfect father, the perfect savior and his son. Um, yeah. Once again, it's just talk about living in a Christian home is it's you you walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, freed from sin, right? You don't want to be slave to sin. You don't, you are not a slave to your anger. You're not a slave to to your anxiety. You're not a, a slave to any of those things. But when and so you can model that to your children. But then when you when you stumble in those areas, as we all do, then you're able to repent and re- be reminded of the one perfect Savior. And so I do feel like that's got to just be infused in every day of our life. And and in that is going back to the question. In that is god's judgment it's it's his propitiation it's it's the righteous sacrifice the perfect sacrifice of christ like you said god offering himself through through the the god man jesus christ for our sins uh so it's it just seems like it's a not it's an ongoing conversation nonstop. yeah so i guess like we would 
close on just read the Bible to your children. Don't be afraid of the Old Testament. You guys know we read the King James Version, so it's a little more flowery and veiled than maybe some versions are. So if you're reading aloud to your kids and it's a really like abrupt word in your translation or something, you can always modify it. I do that all the time when I'm reading uh, old English books or something. I just use the word I'd rather they have used Mm. (laughs) um, for your children if you think it's more age appropriate. But just the Lord's going to work through that. Yeah. And in, in children, don't get as confused as easily as, as we do. Like yes. we're told to have, the faith, have faith like children because they're so able to have that blind faith and acceptance and believe that who God is, he says he's good, he says he's just, he, he is those things because yeah. he says they are. And then as we get older and we see hypocrisy and we see you know, stuff just starts to muddle for us as we see the failure of humanity and all these things. And then we have to go back and try to have that faith like a child again. Yeah. And this goes into like every category that you get to touch on when you just read the Bible. You know, it touches on, obviously we're, we, we read about Abraham and, and he goes into Sodom and Gomorrah and you, and it's touching on homosexuality and you're talking about it in real time to your kids and you, while they're young, get to set the, this, the tone, you get to set the standard for, oh, that was sinful. They were men that were men that were, they were, they hated God. They were rebelling against God and they handed themselves over to all these sinful desires homosexuality, men with men, women with women. That's not how God designed it. He designed a man and woman, right? And so now- And he judged it with fire and brimstone. Yeah, and he did. And so now when when our kids are at the park and they hear kids there mm-hmm. talk about, you know, women can marry women and men can marry men. They come back home and they tell us about these mm-hmm. conversations. We say, well, no, we know that that's not the way God ordained it. Mm-hmm. Like there is sin in the world and people do that, but that's not God's design. That's contrary to his design and it's sinful. And you have a reference point for that. And there, there's a bunch of topics. I mean, obviously murders covered in the Old Testament. Well, going to, to that Sodom and Gomorrah, sorry, I cut you off. Yeah. But that Sodom and Gomorrah topic too, we see that homosexuality judged. We also see Lot's wife turning around and just that disobedience hmm. and she turns into a pillar of salt. Hmm. So we see God's judgment just being faithful through all kinds of sin, yes. you know, and not elevating certain sins or not or you know because sometimes we can do that too in society um but you just see his consistency i guess and oh you reached out and you touched the ark of god and you're struck down dead like he's just very consistent Mm. with his judgment yes yeah and this isn't in the bible but i do remember somebody saying i think it was in that story when lot and his wife were fleeing i think the last you know what the last thing was that lot said to his wife (laughs) i don't know if i want to know he said, is anybody following us? Elisha Peter. <laughs> That's not in the Bible. They must That's have not, not had a very good relationship. No. He was uh, ready to be rid of that woman. But again, I, I keep referencing the Old Testament and the narrative because I, like I said, I read that to the kids every week. Uh, but the whole the whole Bible's it's um it covers all the topics when it mm-hmm. when it feels like it's the right time to cover them. <laughs> and so you mm-hmm. know what I mean? And then like I said, that along with your kids will ask the question when it's a question to them. If you're reading all the I know this isn't like a perfect science here because there's going to be times, you know, that your kids will have questions because they'll hear something and you're not able to like address it in the moment. But to me, that's how I'm approaching this is like, I want to read all the Bible. And then when they ask about, you know, they hear that David went and got a second wife. They're kind of like, wait, wait, he has two wives. Okay. Now we get, now we get to talk about that, but I'm not going to stop and bring it up unless. Yeah. One of our sons has a little list of all the girls he'd like to marry. And so he was really curious about the multiple wife thing. Yes. It's like, so can I have more than one? Like, yes. Yeah, no. 
Exactly. Not these days. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but but I think too, like being as frank and unemotional as you can with this stuff. Yes. Goes a long ways. Like when kids see you squirming, they get uncomfortable and are like, "Is this weird?" Yeah. And that is so much easier said than done, though, because like here sitting here, I'm like, "Oh yeah, like this is easy." But then a topic came up a couple months ago, and I was so flustered. Hmm. She's like, "Elisha, you talk to them," because <laughs> yeah. I like couldn't handle it. Yeah. So, anyways, you know, it's all know. easier said than done, and it's not like we're experts on this subject. That's our that's our two bits. We do pray for your families that the Lord would lead you in this. I think it's wonderful that you want to introduce these things to your children. And I don't think we need to be scared of our children acting out of fear of God um, as they read the scripture and grow in their own understanding of who God is. They are going to hopefully develop that healthy fear. And they're also going to understand the love and how they fit together. And that's, and that's wonderful. We can act out of fear of God and that can be a healthy thing. We don't need to just, like God isn't some unicorn up in the sky. I, I'm reading Narnia into the kids right now. And I love that whole Aslan is, is a dangerous lion. Like he's not tame. And, and I think that CS Lewis did a great job with that description of this creature that chooses to be gentle, Mm. but also he's not tame and we are at his mercy. Mm. And that is a healthy place to be. Yeah. Praise God. Yeah. Amen. All right. Well, folks, thank you all so much for listening. We will talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.